are you, Leslie? Where the hell's my bride? When the hell are we gonna eat at this here barbecue? You ain't touching the grub till she gets here. How long you been hitched, big? Twelve days ago, Saturday, May 9th, 1925, at noon. Well, now that you're married, you're gonna have to learn how to wait. Wait for them and on them. I've waited out the drought. Waited out the long winter. Waited out the race. Waited out the blue northers. Waited for the brush to grow so thick that a snake's gotta climb out to sea. Waited for the season to finally stick. Is it here? Did it stick? Tell me, boys, that it's just gotta be. Texas, how the birds go in loco. This spring come to Texas, to the mesquite and the laurel and the wild cherry and the wahio. Burst out right after the rains and powder the prairie grass white. This spring come to Texas, I ask you. Shit, right. That's right. Hello and welcome to Broadway Radios. This week on Broadway for Sunday, March 20th. 2022. My name is James Marino, and in the broadcast today we have Peter Felicia and Michael Portantier. Peter is a playwright, journalist, and historian with a number of books. His new book, The Book of Broadway Musical Debates, Disputes, and Disagreements, will be released in September of 2022 and can be pre ordered right now on Amazon. Peter also has columns at Masterworks Broadway, Broadway Select, Encore Monthly, and many other places. Hello, Peter. Hi. Hello, welcome back from your trip. Yes, indeed. We're going to talk about your <laughs> okay. uh, your trip to Albuquerque, New Mexico, mm-hmm. in a few minutes, where you got to see a production of Big Fish. But mm-hmm. uh, but more importantly, our listeners are very excited because we need to get an update on trivia. <laughs> <And> so <laughs> yeah. we'll talk about that a little later in our discussion today. Also with us is Michael Portantier. Michael's a theater reviewer and essayist. He's the founder and editor of CastAlbumReviews.com. He is also a theatrical photographer whose photos have appeared in the New York Times and other major publications. You can see his photography work at followspotphoto.com. Hello, Michael. Hello. Hello. So both of you, first day of spring, March 20th. Very <laughs> exciting. It's uh, like they threw a switch here. We had a beautiful day yesterday and today, a, a good preview. Yeah. You, uh, Peter, back to your, uh, your big routine of walking? Yes, indeed. Yeah. Excellent. Absolutely. 10,000 steps yesterday. 10,000 steps. Yeah. How was your uh how was your walking in New- in Albuquerque? <laughs> well, uh not much cuz uh it's a big place and you uh it's time for a rent a car. So, uh no, not not much <laughs> happened there. No, um I was there to uh do my um one person show called The Personal History of the American Theater where I um talk about um all the shows that well not all needless to say uh, but many of the shows I've seen uh, and experiences I've had with them so doing that and also speaking to a class of uh, acting students uh where I always go in and I start by saying what a pleasure it is to meet all you future Tony, Oscar and Emmy winners and they all laugh and I say don't you laugh don't you laugh you must believe this can happen they're going to give out these awards next year, aren't they? The Oscars have never said, you know, this year, let's what the hell with it. We're not going to do it. You know, four people are going to win Oscars. Um, eight people are going to win Tonys. Many more people are going to win Emmys. It's got to be somebody. Why not you? And I believe it. Oh, that's beautiful. I love that. We've got to get you a uh, a Netflix special. We have to record this, <laughs> Peter. 
you know? <laughs> and Thanks. you know what'll happen if you if we record this, you'll win the uh the Emmy award <laughs> right, 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 or yeah. maybe if it's on Netflix, maybe even an Oscar here. And then when I call you to t- ask you to be on Broadway radio, you say I can't be on big ra- on Broadway radio. I'm such a big fish. Yes, indeed. Oh, good. Good for you. <laughs> good for you. Terrific. I'm so impressed. While, <laughs> while you're in Albuquerque, you uh got a, got to see a production of Big Fish. So tell us about this. At Musical Theater Southwest, an organization that's been in business for a long, long time. And uh, I last saw them in the late 90s do a production of the Pirates of Penzance. This is the theater where Patty Kohenauer got her start. So oh. um, so anyway, um, it, it, it was I've always said, you know, you've heard me say this a million times, but uh, community theater is full of people who, if they had not chosen uh, to have that paycheck on Friday and um, marriage and children, um, many of them could be stars. And that turned out to be true here. Um, you may recall P- Big Fish is about um, Edward Bloom and his son, Will Bloom. Edward, um, the show could just as easily be called Blowhard uh, because that's what Edward is. Or is he? We find out at the end of the show, he may have been not fabricating as much as um, his son thought he was. But anyway, Tanner Srofe, um played the role of Edward and uh, Jesse Miller was a terrific um, Will Bloom, just as good as uh, Tanner was. And um, Adrian Wise, not to be confused with Adrian Elkins, um, played um, other women in their lives. And they were terrific, too. And it was so good to see this show and see an audience respond to it. Um, I think this is a very, very good score by Andrew Lippa. And um, I've been playing it nonstop since I got home. So I was very, very grateful to have the opportunity to revisit Big Fish, which I've now seen in New York, Nebraska and New Mexico. So um, only 47 to go. <laughs> so uh is it still playing there i've been looking at their website here um actually next weekend too so um if you're in the neighborhood <laughs> by all <laughs> means uh go <laughs> all right so that is uh big fish at musical theater southwest in albuquerque and as peter mentioned it's got another weekend so check it out there as well if you get a chance Michael, you got over to 54 Below to see Sam Harris. So tell us, how's Sam doing these days? Hmm. Oh, he's doing great. He did two nights at 54. Um, I went on the 17th. And uh, first of all, I'm pleased to report his voice is still in phenomenal shape. Um, He opened with Happy Days Are Here Again. And uh, it started out very softly and, and wistfully almost as a obvious comment on emerging from the pandemic and then uh, you know by the end it got uh, you know he started to sing in that american idol style that so many people uh, you know love him for and associated him with uh so he he's always been able to do both really well uh and i always appreciated that about him that he doesn't scream constantly uh, when, when he sings, you know, he saves it uh, for, you know, for when it's effective. So he had the audience in the palm of his hand after that. And then he um, immediately started to exhibit his fabled wit. Uh, he really, I, I don't know if you both know that about him. He's absolutely hilarious um, as a performer and as a writer, uh, you know, uh, he, uh, so he said, uh, um, I would like to address the elephant in the room, namely me. 
uh, because, <laughs> and then he went on to say how he gained 30 pounds during the pandemic uh, and yeah. since has lost 10, but he's trying to get, uh, lose the other 20. And then he said, I'm trying to get down to my birth weight. Uh. <laughs> <laughs> and then he said uh, <laughs> something really hilarious. He said um, he was, he was talking about uh, the early days of the pandemic when we first heard that it was coming and had really no idea, no comprehension, you know, sure, of sure. the extent of it. He said, and then he said, I liken it to that first trailer for the movie of cats. <laughs> he, he said, he said, you know, we all saw that trailer and we thought, this is not going to be good, mm. but we didn't know how not good it was going mm. to be. <laughs> and so he, he uh, you know, kind of made that point uh, in, a, in a new way. And it was really hilarious. The audience uh, was just rolling in the aisles. Uh, and then he went on to do a really wonderfully full and very eclectic program. Um, you could drive a person crazy from company. Uh, the Janice Ian song, Jesse, a uh, really beautiful song that I didn't know. Um, the next song he sang was something called Million Reasons. And it says music and lyrics by Stephanie Germanata, uh, who I think we all know is Lady Gaga. Um, so mm. I guess that's what sh- the name she uses as a songwriter. Uh, yeah. That could yeah. Be. Mm. Uh, uh, music and lyrics by Stephanie Germanata, Hillary Lindsay, and Mark Ronson. Uh, um, then he did a song, Making Love Alone, which says music and lyrics by Marilyn Miller and Cheryl Hardwick, additional lyrics by Sam Harris. Oh. And that was about uh, making love alone. Uh, you know, it sounds like probably what exactly what you think it sounds like. Um, uh, he did the Beatles help, uh, Proud Mary. Uh, use what and then he sang use what you got from the life oh, mm-hmm. which I, I guess it's just a coincidence that mm-hmm. he happened to be on stage uh, you know e- even as uh, the life was being done in some form or another mm-hmm. at city center uh, and then um, Sam said after his his number he said that he was going to see the show at city center on Saturday uh, apparently he's very close with Billy Porter. So I can't help wondering, um, you know, how he's going to re- respond mm, to that mm. because uh, I did not see it, but from what we've heard, aside from everything else, it's, it's a radically revised production. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Um, and I know his role uh, of Jojo is, has now been split into two roles uh, and is now played by um, uh, African-Americans, whereas he was initially one of the few, white uh actors and characters in in the original production of the life so um i don't i don't suppose i he's going to comment on it but you know <laughs> maybe he will we'll we'll mm-hmm. see about that um uh then sam did don't rain on my parade uh and he uh and a few other songs and then he ended with over the rainbow which he sort of had made his own many years ago he's really been around for a while um and so it was really thrilling for me to to hear him and see him in such great shape and i was very glad that i got to see that i looked back at the ibdb for the life uh Mm -hmm. the 97 production what you know 
Chuck Hooper, Felicia uh, oh, Finley. Yeah. I mean, yeah, uh, yeah. we had a young Bellamy Young. I don't know. It was her yes. only show on Broadway, but she became a huge television star. Uh, and we'd love to have her back on Broadway. I, I, Peter, this was her Broadway debut. Did she, did she win a Theater World Award? <laughs> did she know anything? Um, not that I know of. I don't think so. Um, no, um, the, the leading lady, Pamela, I don't remember her last Pam name. Pam Isaacs. Yes, that's right. Thanks. And then, of course, of course, Elias White. Elias White, yeah. Um, I, I didn't know that uh, Bellamy Young had become a TV star. That's wonderful. Oh, yeah. She Scandal uh, with uh, Norm Lewis went to star, star in Scandal with her. Uh, oh, oh, gosh. Was wow. that oh, uh, somebody in the chat room helped me? Rob, was it Scandal that Norm was in with Bellamy or uh, was it a different television show? I forget who it was off the top of my head. So, uh, but Bellamy became a, a very big television star. And uh, and we've lost her. So, <laughs> Joseph Gordon Weiss. Wow, what, what a! I, I remember seeing this uh, and really admiring admiring the show back then. It's really uh, crazy. Felicia Finley was in the audience with, with some of the other uh, folks from the original production. And I went out over to her and I said, you know, I said the one time I ever sat in a Broadway orchestra pit was oh. for the Wedding Singer. And uh-huh. so I got you to see you make your entrance right next to me. She came up <laughs> through the pit oh. in that wedding dress, remember? <laughs> 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 so that was uh, Sam Harris at 54 Below. Uh, and uh, I, I, does he have any more shows? I didn't see it on the 54 website. Or oh, I don't he, think so. It was just there. two, yeah. But he, he come, you know, he's very often in and around... Yeah, it looks like that. Those were just March sixteenth and seventeenth. So, all right. So next up, uh, Peter got to the Irish Repertory Theater to see a touch of the poet. So tell us about this. Yeah, it's really funny when uh, a show is good. Uh, you don't mind that it's long. I mean, there it is, right there in the program. Mm-hmm. Running hours, two hours and forty minutes, including a fifteen-minute intermission. And uh, it sure doesn't seem it because this uh, really gallops along thanks to uh, Karen O'Reilly's uh, excellent direction. Uh, this O'Neill play uh, was one that I believe was not produced during his lifetime. Um, am I right about that? Anybody know? I think that's true. Anyway, um, so here we have uh, Robert Cuccioli, who most people know from Jekyll and Hyde uh, way back when, but um, he's also an excellent actor. I've seen him many, many times at the uh, Shakespeare Theater of New Jersey and in classical roles. And he is magnificent here as Cornelius Con Melody. It's spelled as Melody, but the uh, name is Melody. And of course, that will turn out to be an issue as time goes on. Yeah, once upon a time, he was flying high. Yep. I'm telling you, came from a good family, distinguished himself in the war, all that business. Um, but that was once upon a time, very long ago. And uh, since then, uh, his wife has stood by him. She loves him no matter what. It's unconditional love. His daughter, not so much. She really has questions about how he spends his money, how he spends his time, how he's vainglorious, all that kind of business. So um, we do have Bell Aykroyd in that role uh, as the daughter. Um, I was a little worried at the beginning 
uh, that she wasn't going to grasp it. But boy, she sure did. I mean, she had plenty of opportunities in two hours and 40 minutes to uh, do battle with her daddy. And my, did she do it? So um, as Nora, the wife, Kate Forbes, was terrific as well, really making us believe that she could still be in love with this man. So uh, I remember going to see Strange Interlude uh, with Glenda Jackson in London in 1984. And at the end of the first act, which was two hours long, I thought, this is amazing to me that I've been at the end of the usual length of time and it didn't seem it. And I can't wait to see more. And at intermission, I felt the same way. I'm telling you, every scene built so beautifully upon the previous one that you get more and more and more invested in it. And there's a shocking surprise ending that makes such perfect sense in what this man would do to indicate the fact that he realizes he isn't what he was, but he does a terrible, terrible thing. And um, Robert Cuccioli is up to every challenge just Eugene Neal O'Neill throws at him. So it's really a very, very impressive production. Um, what a great compliment to say, I would see it again. I would see it again this afternoon. So um, <laughs> most people at two hours and 40 minutes <laughs> have a tendency to say, thank God that's over. Not I, <laughs> not I. <laughs> uh, last week, uh, Jan Simpson reviewed it and she said very similar things to you, Peter. She really oh, it thought that it flew along and that uh, she enjoyed it immensely. So good to hear. Good to hear. A Touch of the Poet at the Irish Rep is running through April 17th, so you still have a few weeks to catch up on that as well. Uh, Michael, coming up uh, this evening at the National Arts Club, you're going to have the Encompass New Opera Theater honoring Cheetah and Danny. Tell us about this. Yeah, I wasn't sure I was going to be able to go, but I I, I will be there. Uh, I'll just read you the blurb. Um, on Sunday, March 20th, Encompass New Opera Theater, Nancy Rhodes, Artistic Director, and the Board of Trustees of Encompass will pay tribute to legendary theatrical icon and Tony Award-winning luminaries, Cheetah Rivera and Danny Burstein, with a star-studded musical salute. Uh, the evening hosted by Midge Woolsey of 13 WNET and WQXR Radio will feature recollections and dazzling musical entertainment by stars of stage and screen, including Laura Benanti, Liz Calloway, John Doyle, George Dvorsky, Joel Gray, Jessica Hecht, Nathan Lane, Bianca Marroquin, Karen Mason, Mary Beth Peel, John Riddle, Alexandra Silber, and Karen Ziemba. Uh, in attendance will be last year's honoree Academy Award winner Estelle Parsons. Um, Danny uh, will receive the Sheldon Harnick Award for Creative Excellence, and Cheetah will be presented with the Encompass Outstanding Lifetime Achievement in the American Musical Theater Award. So I'm really looking forward to that. And um, aside from everything, the National Arts Club is a wonderful place to be, mm. uh, just really historic and, and mm -hmm. just beautifully turned out and designed and and uh, lovely ambiance so I, I i don't get to I, go there often but it's lovely i may i may be um forgetting somebody but nevertheless notice the expression uh cheetah and danny and of course <laughs> cheetah we know i mean there's no question who cheetah is there ain't, there ain't many cheetahs in the world um but isn't it nice now that when we say danny 
we know who we mean. Hmm. It's really oh, come yeah. to, it's really come to that, and that's really quite wonderful. So um, I'm I'm delighted that uh, both of them are getting these prizes, uh, which indeed are well deserved. Yes. <laughs> so, uh, Michael, please uh, return next week and tell us how it was. It sounds like it's going to be chock full of uh, people there. Now, uh, am I remembering correctly? The National Arts Club, it's not a tremendous space. I mean, uh, it um, seems like it, it seems like just with all those people, it's going to be you're going to be rubbing elbows with uh, the the top of the game. Well, it is. It's pretty intimate. They do the performance part of it in a in a you know a, the largest area that they have, but it's not that big. Uh, yeah, I, I'm going to say maybe a hundred people at most. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. And uh, so, yeah. if all of those people bring a plus one, there it is. They're full. You know? <laughs> well, I, I know what you're saying, James. We had the memorial for John Willis, my predecessor yeah. at the Theater World Awards uh, there, and um, I'm happy to say it was packed uh, because people came out to honor John, who really was amazing. So, yes, indeed, um, I, I see your point. Um, I often confuse it with the place next door, the Players Club, but that really is right. a big space. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> All right. So, uh, Peter, you got down to uh, a space that is not much larger than the National Arts Club. Uh, a couple of weeks ago, a couple of weeks back, you saw on Sugarland at New York Theatre Workshop. So uh, it is uh, wrapping up today, but we wanted to talk about it briefly. Well, Alicia Harris uh, has written this play, which is a real slice of lifer, where you uh, see three mobile homes uh, way up top at the set, and uh, we get to know the people in them. So uh, there's also a young girl uh, who doesn't speak. She is really traumatized. She speaks to us, but she won't speak to anybody in the play. There's also an issue involving a military man who has really been uh, severely wounded, and, uh, but he still wants to serve. There are questions about that um, injury, though, big questions, questions you don't expect about that injury. And that turns out to be a very, very important thing, especially with this man's son, who's also considering going into the army, um, not just because when you're um, somewhat uh, impoverished or impoverished, um, it looks like a good way out. You know, you get your three square meals a day, you got a place to sleep, et cetera, et cetera. Oh, yeah, you have to do what they tell you. But indeed, um, when you don't have very many opportunities, this is what you do. And of course, um, how does the man feel about his son going into the army, even though he wants to continue um, fighting? Um, he himself, the father, wants to continue fighting, but he's not sure he wants his kid to get involved in that life. Um, there are also two sisters, two sisters who are not kids anymore. And <laughs> each sister takes a completely different view of how to handle um, getting older. So. <laughs> one of them of course is perfectly fine it doesn't matter it happens to all of us yeah i'll age gracefully uh, i don't have to look uh, like i did when i was 17 etc cetera, etc cetera. so uh very well played by lizan mitchell and then this stephanie berry's character evelyn who feels very differently about getting older. And she dresses to the nines, to the tens, to the elevens every time she possibly can, new outfits, uh, and she is fighting it. And um, she says to her sister, my favorite line of the season, sister, you've been hit with the frumpy stick. Uh, <laughs> 
<laughs> so, uh, so you, a terrific set, and there's this. Uh, it's surrounded by railroad tracks, and you want you think that's just for the ambiance? No, those railroad tracks will play a very important part in this show. But um, I really want to give a shout out. A tremendous shout out to the father um, in this show, uh, because, you know, we've seen a lot of father son plays. How many? I mean, really uh, a million. uh, (laughs) If you don't go to the theater very much at all, you know that you see uh, quite a few father son uh, conflicts and all that. So uh, could there be anything new in the way that these things, uh, these performances can be gleaned? Well, yes, indeed. If you see Billy Eugene Jones um, as the father, and I guess James is telling us we can't anymore. I hope mm-hmm. it moves. I really do, um, because this is really quite a nice performance. And I hope that he and many of the others are rewarded um, at the end of the season, um, because this this man is conflicted in a number of ways. And um, uh, he checks off all the conflicts, I tell you. So um, so I'm very glad I got to see on, on Sugar Land. And for those of you who didn't, I'm very sorry. And I hope you get a second chance. Okay, so uh, next up, Michael, you jumped on the ferry over to Staten Island uh, to get to. Uh, did you? I took a- did, did we talk about the ferry being sold? Ferry sold. One of them, they, they, they took one of the ferries out of service and sold it to. Pete Davidson. Pete Davidson? And, yeah. yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I, I can't imagine something is – and Colin Jost. Thanks, uh, Rob Johnson in the chat room. So, yeah. Uh, you know, what is Pete Davidson and Colin Jost going to do with that? Or is, I, there, is that going to be a floating comedy central or, you know? I believe they said they're going to make it into some kind of a performance venue. Uh, I do you know which boat it was? Uh, yeah, the I, Kennedy? Yeah. Was it the Kennedy? I or? don't remember. I don't remember. Come on, Rob Johnson. You could tell us which <laughs> boat it was. <laughs> uh, so, yeah. No, the uh, uh, that happened a couple of weeks back. And uh, so, obviously, they didn't, sell, they didn't sell the service between Manhattan and Staten Island, but they sold that one boat that was aging. And uh, they're getting a new boat to put in there. But um, right. uh, when you buy a ferry, where do you put it? I, I don't. Yeah, I don't remember if they said that either. Uh, if it'll be moored off Staten Island or off Manhattan or somewhere else. Uh, Greg Christensen in the chat room asks if anybody remembers when it only cost a nickel to ride the ferry. Well, Greg, it's cheaper than cheaper a nickel than today. Yeah, yeah, isn't that something? It, it's free <laughs> now. Isn't that amazing? It has been for a long time. Isn't that something? That was Giuliani. That, that was Giuliani, and he, and he got all those votes for it. My. Before, oh, yeah, 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 before the crazy. Michael, or maybe during the crazy. So once one gets to Staten Island, mm-hmm. how far away is Wagner College and how do you get there? There is a van. A free a van. van. A free van. Yes. And it's wow. about 10 minutes. Uh-huh. Yeah. Wow. Mm. So uh, you got to see on the 20th century at Wagner College. So tell us about this production. Yeah, so I guess I took a boat to take a van to take a train. <laughs> I came on two buses and a train. Can you imagine, Can you imagine that? that? Can you imagine that? <laughs> um, yeah, well, this was my first uh, trip back to Wagner since the pandemic. Sure. Uh, and I hadn't gone, um, I think, for a, a little while before that. So I think it's almost, I think it might be three, three years or more uh, since I saw a show there. And uh I was a little trepidatious because 
on the 20th century is not an easy show. Uh, especially, I, you know, I think f- for that age group, um, but in, in terms of vocally and also technically and costumes and production values and, and all of that. Um, so I'm happy to report it was a really very solid production um, with a very good cast. Uh, my only problem being that there was no printed program and the, uh, the barcode program that, that supposedly existed didn't work. Uh, so I had to really work um, to find out the names of the cast and the uh, production staff for that matter. Uh, but now that I have found them out, uh, um, let me say their names uh, because everyone was really wonderful. Aiden Leach as Oscar Jaffe, Riley Wilmot as Lily Garland, Maddie LaFerre as Letitia Primrose, Josh Romeo as Owen Malley, Jack Lobley as Oliver Webb, and Andrew King as Bruce Granite. Um, and as I said, they were all great. I would say that the standouts were Riley Wilmot as Lily and Bruce uh, and Andrew King as Bruce. They were they were both superb, and I think you'll be hearing from them again. Um, this production was directed by Brian Scambati, uh, who graduated from. Wagner in 96 and is also on the faculty there and choreographed by Emma Pittman, uh, who I mentioned just mm-hmm. recently as the, uh, the winner of the search for Roxy on Broadway contest. And we're still waiting because uh, we have still had no response from the production as to when or if she might be going into Chicago on Broadway as Roxy. But in the meantime, um, she's, she choreographed on the 20th century at Wagner. So that's, um, that's good for her. Uh, and she graduated in 2018. And a music direction by Laurie Young, who's done many of the shows there. Uh, uh, it was quite a good orchestra and, and I think larger than usual um, for this uh, production. And it's it's funny, it struck me as I was sitting there, I didn't even make the connection until kind of the overture started that I... Um, was not I was not seeing the life, but I was seeing another psychomatic show. That's right, yeah, uh, yeah. And and so 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 different. Oh yeah, uh, and, you know, which certainly speaks to his great talent yeah, and versatility. Yeah, yeah. He really was one of the absolute absolute greats. Mm. Um, uh, so I I love Twentieth Century. I think they did. Um, I don't know the show like the back of my hand, but I, I I'm pretty sure this was. Uh, a version that incorporated some revisions that were made for the roundabout production, uh, including the, uh, the, the final number uh-huh. uh, and some other minor thing. Oh, you know what they do now when, when they do 20th century, it no longer opens on, on the original opened on the stage mm-hmm. of the theater mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. in Chicago uh, mm-hmm. as, uh, as the show is closing down because Oscar uh, has run out of money the producer um and that's where the actors originally sang uh stranded again beached right. again yeah uh but now uh they you know they, they easily eliminate that set by just having the actors already at the train station uh after after you know they're leaving mm-hmm. because they, mm-hmm. they they have no jobs anymore um so that's an i think that's a, a nice revision and mm-hmm. some other little trims that um i think i think for the most part were beneficial to the show um but uh i, I really i've seen more productions of it than than uh, one would have thought given how difficult it is there was the original there was that great actors fund production uh with Marin Maisie 
and Doug Sills and Christopher Sieber. That hmm. that was really amazing. Yeah. And then the roundabout one, I think, was uh, I didn't love it, but I don't think that was a solid production as well. And of course, mm-hmm. a perfect role for Kristen Chenoweth. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. So, um, yeah, a, it's a really great show that, that pro- probably would be more popular if it were less difficult. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Michael, that, sure. that roundabout with Kristen Chenoweth, that was at the American Airlines? Yeah. yeah. Is that correct? Yeah. 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 Okay. Yeah. I was seeing if I remembered that production correctly <laughs> and andy carl and peter yeah. gallagher mm-hmm. and uh, yeah etc i saw it at good speed too they did it once mm. yeah uh, that's mm-hmm. right mm-hmm. so uh yeah uh speaking of roundabout and uh we were talking about the life before with bellamy and norm lewis was uh, rob johnson confirmed norm lewis was in scandal with bellamy young uh it's his number two most recognized role what's his number one Paul, I mean, uh, <laughs> Rob. Uh, so, um, so uh, I, we had news this week that uh, Norm Lewis is going out on the road with a uh, yeah. with a tour of a soldier's play uh, being produced by Roundabout. I don't recall Roundabout producing tours. Neither do or- I. Neither do I. But I'm very glad the nation is going to get to see this play. It's so good. Uh, well, wait. Yeah. Well, well, who who did produce that recent production? No, no. Uh, I guess but I'm saying it's a tour. Tour. I mean, I, I don't recall Roundabout sending out a tour. Oh, I'm sorry. I misunderstood yeah. you. Yeah. yeah. Uh, Michael, do you, can you remember any Roundabout tours? What? Well, let me think about Did Did Cabaret was well, Cabaret? Yeah, Cabaret. Yeah, that's right. Sure. Yeah. <laughs> Cabaret, yeah. sure. I'm Cabaret trying to think tour. of big, yeah. big Roundabout shows. Yeah. 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 You're uh, right. Yeah. I, I, but not 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 very it. not very often. No. Uh, who is who's the guy over Broadway Journal? Philip Baroff, B O R O F F. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Mm-hmm. Uh, Philip Baroff, uh, Broadway Journal uh, this week uh, talked about how much money that uh, <laughs> Lincoln Center and Roundabout made during the shutdown. Uh, so Lincoln Center theaters. Net assets soared by 19% or $31 million to a record $192 million. So they have $192 million in the bank for Lincoln Center. Roundabout's net assets rose 17% or $19 million to a record $132 million during the pandemic as well. Uh, so I'm hoping that these people are pumping money back into developing new works, mm. you know? This is well, we certainly weird. know the skin of our teeth can be an expensive show, so uh, <laughs> some of us going to go there. Well, I mean, roundabout all this money, I have three words for you. City of Angels. Mm-hmm. Come on. And, yep, this is a Coleman <laughs> show. Come on. James, you're like a dog with a bone. <laughs> <laughs> yes, I am. <laughs> Starring Kelly O'Hara. <laughs> see how easy James is making it for you, Roundabout? <laughs> you see that? You can cut right to the chase there. Uh, Rob Johnson reports that uh, number three in Norm Lewis's thing is Jesus Christ Superstar on NBC. Oh, yeah. Number four is Les Mis 25th Anniversary. What was number one? Oh, yeah, what was number uh, one? Da Bloods, Da Five Bloods. That is oh. a movie I do not know. Da Five Bloods. That's number Norm's number one. <laughs> well, who did? But who determines that? And how did they determine it? Well, you know, it's it's it's, <laughs> it's, it's just de- opinion. <laughs> it's determined like everything else. You know, it, it's a small group of people have gotten together and said that oh, this, okay. this is the thing. This is this is it. Yeah, yeah this is it. It's like the uh, Broadway World Awards. You know, 
So, uh, well, which is not really true. I guess Broadway World Awards are all voted on by uh, by people who vote over and over and over and over for the same thing. Right. Uh-huh. Usually Correct. themselves. Yeah. yeah. So, uh, which is, I guess, sort of like the Tony Awards. Mm-hmm. So, <laughs> nah, not really. <laughs> we had news that the uh, Tony Awards are uh, coming back. It's good to see them back at Radio City. So mm-hmm. that will be uh, coming up soon. So uh, let's see what else did we want to talk about here. Peter, you saw a Garbage Man at the Chain Theater. So tell us about this. All right. Um, the Playbill cover says Garbage Man by Keith Huff, author of Broadway's A Steady Rain. This is actually on the front cover. Um, so they're really uh, trying to promote the fact that he's the playwright who did that uh, play with Daniel Craig and um, Hugh Jackman, not necessarily in that order. And um, with, <laughs> I, I don't think that, that play was very much liked by very many people. And I think fewer people are going to like Garbage Man. Okay, here we go. Um, it involves two gruesome deaths. I'm not going to tell you how these people died. One uh, happened a while ago. One will happen during the course of the play. It involves, um, and uh, by the way, uh, one of the the people who reached this terrible fate is a very young uh, boy. Uh, there's a suicide. Um, there are other terrible things that happen too. So I'm not sure if Keith Huff thought this was funny, but certainly the way Greg Cuccino has directed it and the people he cast in it think that it's funny um and it is directed as a comedy so i mean with a play with these situations would you cast somebody who vaguely resembles john belushi and vaguely resembles stan laurel and plays it for comedy there was so much inappropriate laughter people laughing at the play not with it saying oh what are they going to throw at us next this is it's so ridiculous so i'm afraid this is a total total wipeout washout um and i wonder uh if keith huff was on the premises if this is exactly what we want yes you got it this is what i meant um but um so much of it is close to being sick that um you don't think that really comedy is the way to go for it Uh, so and by the way i have no idea why it was titled garbage man yes one of the guys is a garbage it's two character play one of the guys is a garbage man fine but considering all that happens in it and so little has to do with his picking up garbage i don't know why this is the title of the play so i'm sorry to say that um this is one of the low points of the season and while i wouldn't mind seeing devin anderson and kirk uh, Goskowski in other shows and comedies. Uh, I'm sure they're very able performers. Um, boy, this is um, not just a misfire, but a blazing, out of control, five, five alarm uh, misfire. So, <laughs> alas. Wow. Oh, wow. All right. So that is uh, Garbage Man down at the Chain Theater on 36th Street. So. That is Peter's review on it. So, Peter, I wanted to get back to your uh, review of Big Fish at that theater, Musical Theater Southwest out in Albuquerque, because mm-hmm. uh, they are uh, 
doing also Fun Home, Carrie, Hunchback of Notre Dame, and Cinderella, and that's their season. That's uh, that is uh, a very diverse, interesting season to go well, through. A, a big, th- yeah. Also in the lobby, there was a sign of uh, "What do you want to see next year?" and um, <clears throat> and among the logos was war paint. I mean, this group is really paying attention to musicals. Um, They uh, certainly are are interested in the here and now as well as the past. And to see, this is the first time I've ever seen any theater talk about doing more paint. I'm not making a judgment on that. I'm just saying that um, it was just nice to see a show that uh, I would imagine doesn't have that much name recognition in Albuquerque, New Mexico, be even considered. So, uh, so yeah, it's a very adventurous group. And um, I'd also like to mention, and as I should have, that um, David Bryant was the director of this show and did a ah. really good job. You know, uh, let me say this. You know, uh, you may recall um, at the end of the first act, um, Edward Bloom is in love with this woman. He's head over heels in love with her. He'll do anything for her. And he finds out that she likes daffodils. And so as a result, the whole stage is filled with daffodils. And I thought, wow, you know, this is such a small production. What are they going to do? I'm not going to tell you what, I, what they did, but what I will tell you is that David Bryan found a vi- two very creative ways of handling the daffodils, not just one, but two. So under those circumstances, this is a guy with whom to be reckoned. So the uh, who's the artistic director out there? Let's see. I'm not, I don't think that he is. Um, so I, um, I think it's somebody named Ed, um, but I don't know anything more than that. Yeah, I'm at their website, and they... I see a board of directors. So do I. Yeah. I see a bunch mm-hmm. of di- directors, but nobody called artistic director. There's a theater manager, theater director, production coordinator. So it's a little He's bit shy. Different. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> so interesting uh, theater out there. And uh, if you're in the Al- Albuquerque area, I would check it out. So... Uh, All right, so that wraps it up for today. Before we get on to our musical moment and trivia, I want to remind everybody that you can subscribe to these broadcasts by going to the front page of BroadwayRadio.com. There's a subscribe link. That way, each and every time we have a new episode of This Week on Broadway, it'll be downloaded to Apple Podcasts for you. Of course, you don't have to listen to us on Apple Podcasts. There's many ways to listen to us. iHeartRadio plays us. Tune in, Stitcher, Google Play, anywhere that you can listen to. You find our podcast, you'll find Broadway Radio's offerings. Contact information for Peter, for Michael, and for me can be found in the show notes at BroadwayRadio.com, as well as uh, links to some of the things we've talked about today, including uh, Musical Theater Southwest and Sam Harris and Touch of the Poet and uh, all sorts of other stuff. And the cast list, too, on the 20th century (laughs) at Wagner College. Thank you. (laughs) (laughs) Oh, those poor kids. (laughs) So... uh, uh, let's see here. Oh, uh, transcripts. If you want to get a transcript to this or any show on Broadway Radio, uh, please email us at transcripts at broadwayradio.com and mention the episode name that you want the transcript to, and we'll send you a back of Microsoft Word document for that. So, Peter, do you have an answer for trivia for two weeks ago? If Michael Bennett had stayed with his first impulse, the three performers who would each win a Tony for a chorus line would have had something else in common. But that didn't happen. Explain. Well, Bennett's first impulse was to have Zach reject Cassie. But he was convinced by Marsha Mason, then the wife of Neil Simon, who adopted the script, to give her the job. Had she not been selected, then Cassie, Sheila, and Paul, played by 
Tony winners Donna McKechnie, Kelly Bishop, and Sammy Williams wouldn't have been cast in Zach's musical. The women would have been rejected outright, and Paul would have lost out because of his injury. Our own Michael Portantier was the first to get it, which may seem the result of his having advantage of hearing it first, but no, no, he didn't hear it any <laughs> earlier than those who listen to us live, which you can do. James will teach you how <laughs> he, he was followed by Juliet Green, Tony Janicki, ever so slowly working his way back up to first place. <laughs> Steve Bell, Brigadude, Josh Israel, Isaac Blevin, John Rubenstein, J. Aubrey Jones and Robert Lobiondo. So this week's question D. Hody, Len Cariou, and George M. Cohan have played characters who have had the same job. What's that job? <laughs> Sounds like Michael knows again, very quickly. <laughs> no, I just think that's a great question. <laughs> All right. If you uh, have an answer for this, email us at trivia at broadwayradio.com. We'll let you know if you're on the right track. So, Michael, what do we have in this week's musical moment? Well, James had asked for music celebrating spring. And, uh, you know, I couldn't, I had trouble thinking of a lot of uh, songs from shows that celebrate spring. I thought of several um, that mentioned May specifically, but seeing as how we're not even in April yet, I didn't think that would be appropriate to use. And you like should have chosen one. a March. Go ahead. I <laughs> <laughs> oh. should, sh- oh, uh, I'll March. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. That would have been one way to do it. <laughs> um, but I did come up with two. Uh, our opening music was Did Spring Come to Texas from Giant, the off Broadway uh-huh, musical yeah. with music and lyrics by Michael John Lacusa, uh, who uh, just listened to this song. If, if you've heard people say that Michael John Lacusa can't write a melody, and I think you will know that that's not correct. Um, it's a really wonderful song uh, from, again, a, a show that should be better known, but it's, uh, um, well, you know, it's got a huge cast. And I think, uh, I think it was originally even longer than what we wound up seeing off Broadway uh, because it had to be edited down. And it's, it's just, it, it's just a, a huge show in many ways uh but really wonderful and so as you can hear from listening to uh that this example from it sung by brian darcy james uh better known as officer krupke in the (laughs) in the new film of uh west side story but before he transferred to character roles uh, Brian was a it was a really great leading man type on Broadway and with a beautiful, beautiful voice. Um, so uh, enjoy that, uh, please, as our opening number. And then for the closer, I chose Five Minutes of Spring, which is a song from The Happiest Girl in the World, uh, a kind of unusual piece based on Lysistrata by Aristophanes and stories of Greek mythology by Bullfinch um, with music by Jacques Offenbach, uh, who, uh, of course, was already deceased by that point uh, uh, and best known for writing uh, tales of Hoffman and and other classical pieces like that. And lyrics by E.Y. Harburg. Um, Not sure why this show is not better known and it seems like I, I mean i really don't know it uh the score sounds lovely uh, i don't know if there are book problems do you know this show peter 
I did see it once. Uh, Bob Ravan's troop, uh, in way way out west, uh. <laughs> um, did it, and um, and uh, ironically enough, one of the songs, uh, "Adrift on a Star," uh, the melody again, an off-back melody, was used in an Elvis Presley movie, uh, "G.I. Blues." Hmm. Tonight is so right for love was the name of the song. Um, so the, this off-back music does get around. Well, uh, you know, seeing as how it is based on Liz Estrada, I would think it remains timely as far as sure, the story itself. Sure, so maybe sure. we'll, maybe somebody will, you know, it sounds like it would have been good for encores if they hadn't, you know, imploded <laughs> yeah, maybe, right. uh, in, in recent years. Um, <laughs> yes. Very, very sad. Um, glad we didn't mm-hmm. get into yes, that. Anyway, uh, yeah. Right. So, uh, yeah, but this is uh, this song is called Five Minutes of Spring, and it's sung by Bruce Yarnell who was uh i think he made his first impression in camelot um in mm-hmm. uh, a featured role in the you know uh, as one of the the knights in the uh take me to the fair number and then he also on the original cast album anyway he sings he leads the uh mm-hmm. song guinevere with a beautiful gorgeous voice mm-hmm. then of course he was he started opposite ethel merman in the mm-hmm. uh, granny get your gun mm-hmm. uh 1966 <laughs> revival of uh, Annie get your gun that started at the new york state theater and then moved to broadway and unfortunately he died mm. in yeah he died mm. in 1973 while piloting a plane uh from mm-hmm. san francisco to mm-hmm. hollywood burbank airport and he crashed into a mountain slope near gorman california north of los angeles Mm -hmm. so he he was one of the great uh you know uh, latter day uh, leading men of broadway musical theater and the voices that was absolutely beautiful as you'll as you'll hear in in this excerpt from the happiest girl in the world All right, so on behalf of Peter Felicia and Michael Portantier, this is James Marino saying thanks so much for listening to Broadway Radio's This Week on Broadway. Bye-bye. I fling with a hope, a dream, a kiss on the wing That wise old clock called the moon is just a calendar thing And each tick-tock Says it's all a small five minutes of spring Hope, dream, lover, and rose Fade into one when the wind blows Hope, dream, lover, and rose Kiss on the wing, child on a swing The song of it all is While the night is queen and April is king Let's cling, cling, cling Let's cling, sweet thing To 